الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد يا أيها الذين آمنوا من يرتد منكم عن دينه فسوف يأتي الله بقوم يحبهم ويحبونه أذلة على المؤمنين أعزة على الكافرين يجاهدون في سبيل الله ولا يخافون لوم تلائم وقال تعالى ومن الناس من يتخذ من دون الله أندادا يحبونهم كحب الله والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله صدق الله العظيم Firstly, I just want to mention that mashallah us being here is quite amazing one of the things that comes to mind is that, uh, as I said, many of us could have been doing so many other things, ordering food, picking up food, having a good meal. I literally just came from a wedding. I only had the initial, what they call like canopies or whatever. And then I rushed here because this was more important for me. Right? Alhamdulillah, I actually even had something in the beginning, so I was able to partake of that. And then I came here. So um, now some people might be thinking, man, yes, I did great. Um, I need to get rewarded for this by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as though we're doing some favor upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right we do tahajjud sometimes mashallah we get tawfiq to do tahajjud we suddenly feel like we're better than everybody else <clears throat> we manage to do mashallah some good donations sometimes and we think uh, man you know alhamdulillah I did this and uh, there's this idea that comes in mind because shaitan is there to try to corrupt our worship if he can't stop us then once we do it then he wants to corrupt it so the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, to understand exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. Very difficult to understand that all at once. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an infinite entity. And every day as we move through this world towards our ultimate end in this world and ultimate meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is in the hereafter, we want to go from this world <clears throat> ultimately in the best possible state with the best recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's what's going to count. If you look at some of the hadiths and other things where we understand the purpose of the creation of this world. Why did Allah create this world? Allah was present and there was nothing else and Allah doesn't need anything else. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been the way He is right now. He's always been there. He doesn't need any assistance. He doesn't need any contribution. But He decided to create us. He decided to create this whole system, right? this whole alam. And one of the understanding you get from that, from the various different hadith and so on, is so that Allah could be recognized. <coughs> so that people gain a ma'rifah. If we use that term ma'rifah. Ma'rifat of what? Recognition of what? Understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all Allah wants from us. It's simply if you want to reduce everything down to the purpose of our creation and what ultimately we should be trying to achieve, it's ma'rifah. For that we have dhikr. Our salat is there to remember Allah. We're occupied, engrossed, distracted with multiple things in this world that compete for our attention. And in this modern world we live in, there's endless things. There's endless things that compete for our attention. So all Allah wants from us is that we remember Him. That He, ultimately, I created you. That's what Allah wants 
us to remember. There's a hadith about somebody in hellfire being punished, a Muslim, a believer who's gone to hellfire for some sins. And suddenly after a certain punishment, he just calls out, he said, didn't Allah promise after this such and such? Allah says immediately, get this guy out because he knows me. That's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to know him. Once anybody knows Allah, everything becomes right with that person. The reason why we don't have it right, where we struggle with certain things, where we struggle with our distractions in this life and performing salat or performing salat well or doing our other obligations or getting the right mindset is because we don't know Allah. It's literally because Allah is such a powerful force that the more you get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more addictive the more addictive it becomes, the more entrenched you become, the more obsessed you become, and the more attached you become. This, this is a science. This is guaranteed. The more you can know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you're not veiled from Him, that's what happens. There are various veils from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody sees Allah, only the Prophet ﷺ got to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the majority opinion. Because there's a hadith of Nur which says that Allah has 70 veils of light. And then it's interesting that the believers are only veiled by this light. That's why we can't see him. And those, then there's two other categories. There are those who are veiled by also darknesses that... There are also those who are veiled by darknesses in front of the veils of light. And those are the disbelievers. They're veiled by just immense amounts of layers of darkness. Dhulumat. So that's why they can't even get to the light. Which then becomes, which is already a barrier. And then there's some believers who have veils of darkness. And then of course there's veils of light. They've managed to cut through many of the dark veils or the veils of darkness. There's still some left. That's what we're struggling with. When you get to the veils of light, then it's more satisfaction. You still can't see Allah, but at least you see the light. Then you see the light. So, the more we get to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more we can worship Him better. So really, the simple thing is that if we're struggling, it's because we don't know Allah. You're saying, I do know Allah. I read Aqidah. I read uh, the Aqidah book that was taught in the Maktab. Or I read something higher than Aqidah Tahawiyah or whatever it is. That's all academic study, which is good, which tells us about Allah because without description you can't understand. You can't, some people are purchasing certain cars or certain phones and you know I saw uh, with a fold phone I said, why is everybody getting this for? And then suddenly I sat with one person who has it and explained all of his fada'il and virtues and you know it's, uh, various different characteristics. I was like, okay, mashallah, now I understand. And in fact, I actually became a bit inclined to it myself. Because without knowledge of something, you remain ignorant. You can't understand the beauty of that product, or you can't understand the reality of that product without, understand, without knowledge of it. And the thing with lots of other things is that they're optional things. Whereas with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a natural attraction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as you cut through the veils. We just have too many veils. We just have too many veils. So for example, going back to the initial thought that I had, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we expect a reward from Him. And there's nothing wrong with that because Allah promises rewards for deeds and promises punishment for misdeeds. That's fine. However, that's just to get us started because that's 
re- really effective in getting somebody on track, just on the path. However, the higher level is, as Ibn Atayillah al-Iskandari rahimahullah, he says, it is absolutely sufficient, right? it is absolutely sufficient for you that Allah chose you, Allah thought you worthy of this deed, that is sufficient for you as a reward that Allah has chosen you for this deed, then you go and ask Him for another reward. When I read that, because you know we're worshipping Allah, we're expecting reward, we think it's a purchase a business, I'm doing this, I expect this kind of reward, uh, but then this kind of parashani came on me, this kind of difficulty came on me, what's going on here? Allahu Akbar. When I read that of Ibn Atayla, I says like, we're doing the wrong thing here. Aap, you know, it's sufficient for you as a jaza, meaning aap ke liye bilkul, uh, uh, kya bilkul kafi hai ke Allah Ta'ala ne is, is ibadat ka ahal samjha aapko. Chejaye ke aap unse kuch mange iske baare mein. Right? That's a very powerful idea. It suddenly just changes your perspective of worship. Now you've done tahajjud, you've given hundreds in the path of Allah, or thousands. Allah, thank you, Allah. You gave me that. You, you thought me worthy because multitudes of others don't get that tawfiq. Alhamdulillah, you, I, I'm so honored to be worthy. Because Allah choosing someone, Allah choosing someone, that's worthy. So can you see how that small bit of information will inshallah change our perspective and our approach to Allah in our worship? Just a bit of information. That's the simple proof. I mean, if we didn't know this point and we've now found out this point, it just suddenly, a whole new dimension opens up. I should be worshipping Allah for this reason. Ibn Atayla, I mean, I think it's actually Ibn Ajiba, rahimahullah, he says that, actually he quotes a hadith, I think. He says that, if Allah did not give you anything, is He just because of the fact that He is your Lord and you're His servant? Isn't He, isn't He worthy of worship anyway? Even if He doesn't give you anything, we're slaves at the end of the day. Just because we have a bit of free will, we think that we have some independence. So I believe that the only way to sort ourselves out that we want to is know more about Allah. That will automatically remove the veils of darkness and then we'll be standing in front of the veils of light. Right? And then we can, inshallah, behold our Lord. And then inshallah, He'll give us His vision in the hereafter. In fact, if you look at it, it's all about that. The lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those who want to go to paradise, not because of the pleasures of paradise, but because paradise is the only place where you can go and see Allah every week. That's the only reason they want to go to paradise. They don't care about anything else. That's why I want to go to paradise because that's the only place I can see Allah where I will no longer be veiled from Him because I love Him so much. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an idea of this that He makes us pray five times a day. Establish the prayer for my remembrance. Give us a multitude, a medley of things to read. You've got a bit of takbir and you've got a bit of thana and you've got a bit of fatiha and you've got a bit of dua and you've got a bit of tasbih and tahmeed and takbir and you've got 
pretty much every type of glorification and magnification and purification and praise and Quran and everything. You know, there's no other worship that includes so many different types of offerings to Allah. Tahiyyat and tayyibat and so on. <clears throat> Just so <clears throat> that we can remember Him. And so the purpose of all of this is just so that we remember him. Now, where are we going to learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The places to learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very simple. Right? They're staring in our face. We have access to them. But we've just not looked at them like that. The first place and the main place is the Qur'an. Right? Now alhamdulillah, we read the Qur'an. Ramadan just passed. May Allah accept all of our reading. I mean, many people finish the Qur'an and several Qur'ans. Alhamdulillah, may Allah accept. Thank you Allah for considering us worthy of doing that. However, the question now is, are we going to die and we haven't understood what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in His own words? Are we going to leave this world and we don't know what Allah is saying to us? I'm not trying to make ourselves feel bad. I'm genuinely saying that Allah has communicated with every single one of us individually. Has literally communicated through the Qur'an. And our ulama from Shawaliullah was the first person to do a translation into Persian. And then his son, Rahimahullah, they did translation into Urdu. And then, mashallah, we've had a stream of ulama, our ulama, from Mawlana Shavit Khanbi, Mawlana Khair Muhammad Jalendri, Mawlana Mufti Mahmud, al, uh, sorry, Mawlana Mahmud Al-Hassan, Rahimahumullah, and then down to our Hazrat Hazrat Mawlana Yusuf Mutala, Rahimahullah, they've done translations. Now, look, when you read the Quran, you won't understand everything. There are some complicated parts. But this, so the majority of it will be speaking to you. And you'll think it's written for you, because it is written for you and I and everybody else. Do we want to die and we're going to say to Allah, we never bothered reading, what you, we never bothered trying to understand what you said directly. We do pick up bits of it in bayans and when it's told to us, but we never understand it directly. If you want to understand Allah, the best, best place to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by reading His words. What you'll, see in, what you'll see in the Quran, what you see in the Quran essentially, is that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is advising us. You see these verses, they impressed us. People enjoyed the verses, right? Not just because of a good voice, that was there as well. Not because of good tune, that was there as well. The choice of words, even though you don't understand what's being said. Can you imagine the message then? Can you imagine the message? The Quran, uh, I think we had a talk here about the beauty of the Quran in multiple ways. It impressed us, even though many of us don't understand it. Imagine if you understood it. Imagine if you understood it. It won't be just the cherry on the cake, it will be the cake itself. Like it, that's how much it is. So you'll see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us something. He's advising us. He is pleading with us almost like he's, he's instructing us. فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Run to Allah. He's then telling us how he interacts with people, how he punishes people, how he rewards people. Right? He shows us his promises. He gives us his warnings. Do you think that's not going to affect us? When it's coming from Allah directly? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiple then tells us about himself. And this is the beautiful part. He tells us about himself. That's where there are the names of Allah. The characteristics of Allah mentioned in the Quran. 
nearly after every discussion, it tells you why Allah does that discussion. Because he says, Allah is mighty and wise. Right? It says, Alimun Hakim, Ghafoorur Rahim. Right? Ghaffar, uh, that's, that's another one. Razzaq, Dhul Quwwatil Mateen, Ghafilil Dham, Qabilil Tawb, Shadeedil Iqab, Dhit Tawl, La ilaha illallah. It's amazing just everything that is being described. You get to understand Allah. Otherwise, we don't know Him. And we want to die and we've never read the Quran with that for ourselves. Just take a translation and start. Take your life to do it. You don't have to do it over two weeks or over one month. Just bit by bit so that by the time I die, I've read at least the message of my Lord to me. Thinking it's me and it's, it's directly to me. Very, very important that we start doing this. Don't start giving fatwas once you start reading it. Right? That, that's a different realm, but there's just what we can understand from it. And if you're confused about anything, go to the ulama and, exp- and understand that. But there's more than enough in there. The way you understand and begin to love something, so, so I'm going to get a bit philosophical here. I know it's a Saturday, uh, it's a Saturday today, yeah. it's a Saturday night, not the time for philosophical discussion. And I don't mean Aristotelian philosophy, I mean just thought. So the question is, I'm going to ask you is, what does love mean? Because we're talking about loving Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the verses uh, that I read, let's look at them, right? This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, says, there's among some people, they take, other than Allah, they take objects and idols and other deities besides Allah, loving them as they should love Allah. Allah is setting a benchmark here that the ultimate love can only be for Allah and they love them like they should be loving Allah. In this indirect, this is the balagha of the Quran that Allah is indirectly saying, ultimate love is Allah's, how can you love something else like you love Allah? And then Allah just says, really casual, that the people who believe, they are most intense in their love for Allah. Now that's, that's Allah's description of the believer, that those who believe they're most intense and ardent in their love for Allah. Is that the case? We call ourselves believers. By the instruction and the guidance of the Prophet, we are believers. Anybody who frequents the masjid is a mu'min, is a believer. But are we loving Allah more than anything else? So the question then is, that Allah makes this statement that the believers are most intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a book that's going to be published soon. It's The Thinking Person's Guide to Love, where literally the author has surveyed and studied every single writing on love since the Stoics, like since before Aristotle, everything ever written on love. And he proves at the end in a very subtle way that the only true love can only be for Allah. Why? Because if I love you or you, or my father, my wife, my husband, or whatever, or my, or my car, or whatever. Great. Nothing wrong with that. But all of these are perishables. They're not permanent. Either I will leave or they will leave and there's going to be a heartache. Or love demands things. When you love something and you expect love back. Everybody that you love can't always give you the same love back. So you feel upset. Love has its own rules and demands. If you've ever felt love, right? And the only one that's always there for you is Allah. Somebody else is going to disappear, 
they're going to be busy, they're going to be occupied with something else. So subtly he's, even for a non-Muslim audience, he's telling him, loving God is the ultimate form of love because Allah is permanent. And he has capability of loving everyone. If there's an individual who's loved by multiple, he can only give certain amount of time individually to individuals at different times, not everybody at the same time. And only the Prophet ﷺ. So what exactly is love, by the way? Since Allah is saying that you have to be most ardent as believers to be in love of Allah, love is not a dirty idea. It's actually, according to the experts, love is one of the purest selfless forms. It's only when you're in love where you're at your most selfless state. What does that even mean? Sorry, you'll have to, I'm going to tell you that you have to try to understand. It's not a, you know, just, just listen and, you know. They say that when you love someone, you're at your most selfless state, where you go beyond what you want for yourself. Because when you love them, you do everything for your beloved if it's true love. You will literally do everything for your beloved. You'll forget your own hunger, your own rest, your own needs, and you'll do everything for your beloved. Stop. You just have to make sure your beloved is a good beloved. Otherwise, you'll be doing it for the wrong reason. That's the problem. Many people fall into this trap of loving an object which is not worth loving, or it's a, it's a forbidden love. So then they're giving up their whole self to something else. Otherwise, love is only that. It has to be given to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the beautiful thing about loving Allah is then that love incorporates loving everything good. That's the beauty of it. it when you love Allah for the right reason, you love everything that Allah wants us to love. And you become better lovers of those things that Allah wants you to love. So just because you love Allah doesn't mean you no longer will love your parents or your wife or your spouse. You'll actually love them with a more pure way because it'll be for the sake of Allah. I know this is a bit complicated, but let's define love first. Why? What is love? How do you define love? People of Mount Pleasant or people of Batley, whatever you want to call yourselves, what is love? How do you define love? Okay, maybe you have an experience. How many of you have experienced love? Uh, okay, let's put some hands up. Let's get some interaction. So, how many of you have experienced love? MashaAllah, two people only. <laughs> Rest of you, what have you been doing? Who hasn't experienced love? You guys don't answer questions or what? <laughs> So how do you define love? So simply what they say, love, and you can read this in Arabic. I think Manfaluti or somebody has written about this. Many people are, love is an inclination to beauty. Okay, I'm getting a bit more complicated. Love is an inclination to beauty. But to understand that, you have to understand beauty. So somebody defined for me beauty. Have you see, ever seen anything beautiful? Okay, so define it please. How do you define beauty? Something pleasing to the eye. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is an effect. Yeah, that, that's what will happen. But that's not enough. Why is it? Why does it please the eye? I need it more deeper than that. Yeah, but why are you inclined towards it? Sorry, somebody was saying? Attraction. 
That's just inclination. Attraction and inclination, same thing. It's just a different stage of it. But why? <coughs> Something's perfect. We're getting somewhere. What makes it perfect though? How do you define perfection? No flaws. What's a flaw though? Okay, we're getting somewhere with this. This is what they say. Beauty across the world, beauty in anything is a certain balance and a proportion. It's a certain balance and a proportion. So in architecture, there is this concept called the golden mean. When certain things are of certain proportions, is it like a 40-something, 60-something, a 30-something, 40-something ratio? That's what's beautiful. You can see that anywhere in the world, and that's beautiful. There's certain sounds, kira'a sounds, where you like them is because they've got a certain balance to them. Why are certain phones attractive to people is because they've got a certain sleekness and a certain balance. Nothing's out of, if you look at a human, a human being that everybody considers beautiful, and they've done studies of this in every culture, in multiple cultures of the world, right? So different ethnicities and cultures, and as to what those individual culture, cultures, Indian culture, uh, you know, Arab culture, Chinese culture, what they would consider to be beautiful of a face, they found that it's the same throughout the world because we're all human beings. That the mouth and the nose, the proportion at where the mouth sits to the nose and where the two eyes sit to the nose and the shape of the face, throughout all, all uh, ethnicities and backgrounds, it's a very similar form that is considered beautiful. Because that's built into human beings to recognize beauty. You might know why it's beautiful, but you rec- most people will recognize the same thing to be beautiful. Yes, there are certain people which they say, I is the beauty is an eye of the beholder. That's not always the case though. That's in certain cases. But there's something which everybody considers beautiful. Why do they consider beautiful? It's got proportion and balance. Tawazun. It's got musawat. It's got tawazun in every aspect. In more aspects than none. It's not lopsided. It's not too big on one side. It's not crooked. It's got a certain balance. That's beauty. And humans attract themselves to beauty. That's love. Love has multiple stages in Arab community, in Arab language, which has a word for everything. They've got about 20-something stages of love. So this is how it happens. You first, when something is beautiful like that, you notice it. You don't become obsessed with it straight away. You notice it. Okay, mashallah. Right? Then after that, you appreciate it. Yeah, that's nice. Then after that, the more you get to know and you see the balance, then you become inclined. Like, I'm inter- you become interested. Then you become inclined. And then after that, you start to like it. And then you want it. And then you get obsessed with it. And then you head over heels over it. Just make sure it's the right thing. Right. Then you start thinking about it everywhere. So I'll give you a simple example. I was looking to buy a car. You know when this uh, London had this uh, ultra low emission zone, you had to get rid of your diesel cars or whatever. Hate hate buying cars, it's just too complicated for me, right? So I was looking for a car, I identified two cars and then um, uh, find out the virtues of them and the balance so, and the price. And then suddenly somebody told me about a third car, which is, I always thought it was too expensive for me and I found out it's got a very similar price range, but it's a better company. So I noticed it. I started finding out about it and I took a test drive. I suddenly saw its qualities. I saw its balance and its proportion, right? 
uh, and then I became inclined and as the others became uh, the others withered in my sight and this became bigger in my sight and then I'll tell you what happened the next day I started seeing them all over the place I never noticed them before but now suddenly they're all over the street where did they suddenly come from that particular car is everywhere now like I'm sure it didn't come overnight it's just I never even used to notice them now I know its qualities and I see the balance of it. I see it everywhere. That's why we don't see Allah everywhere. It's a simple thing like that. That's why Allah is present in His design, in His beauty, in His might, in His greatness, in His benevolence everywhere. Not physically I'm saying, but in terms of His qualities and characteristics. He's everywhere. It can't be missed. Like Literally cannot be missed. It's just we don't see it. Was it Hazrat Mullah Masyullah Khansa when he came once, uh, is it to England or somewhere, they took, came to, took him to a beach. I heard this a long time. I hope I'm not making a mistake here. And it's true. You will see the effects of Allah everywhere you go once you recognize. You just see the creation of Allah everywhere. Just like you see that car everywhere. This is why when we go for Hajj, many people wonder why you do tawaf seven times. Muslims are very unfit so you have to go around seven times do some laps and now they're forcing you to do it up there uh, bigger laps because you know you can't you have to have ihram to, <laughs> to, to go into subhanallah I always wondered because I'm teaching a hajj class every year so I'm thinking what is the hikmah of tawaf and it's simple when a person has tried in salat and other things to get to Allah and they've stayed hungry in Ramadan for the sake of their beloved then ultimately hajj is nothing, nothing but a journey of love. What do I mean by that? Why would somebody go around a house seven times? What do you get out of that? Oh, alhamdulillah, I've done one, two, three. I've done seven. Mera ho gaya, mashallah, alhamdulillah, my tawaf is done. You call your family like tawaf ho gaya. Man, what did you get out of your tawaf? You did the fard, you got the tick box exercise, but what did you really get from that? Hassan Basri, rahmatullah, they once saw going around, you know, you hear all sorts of people doing all sorts of du'as. Allahu Akbar. I mean, some of the du'as, I get scared. Once, Allahumma azillani, yawma la zilla illa zilluk. And the ulama will understand. Oh Allah, mujhe pislao. Us din, mujhe pislana, jis din, koi pislana nahi hoga, illa ke aapka pislana. Like, oh Allah, cause me to slip on the day when there'll be no slipping except you're slipping. It's supposed to be, oh Allah, shade me on the day when there's no shade. So it's azillani, azillani. Totally different, right? So you get scared sometimes about the du'as that you hear there. But he heard a woman, a younger woman, doing some love poetry to her beloved. So he told her off. You know, he's think, stereotyped her. That you're probably talking about your boyfriend or something, your beloved or your husband or whoever it is. She just turned around to him, said, how do you know and what do you know who I'm speaking to? She was speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those tawafs, you see a human being, if you look at the, when you love someone, what do you want to do? You want to speak about them all the time. But ultimately you want to be with them. You know, you can't always be with them, but when you want, you want to just can't wait to come home, can't wait to meet, can't wait to hold it. And, and so on. These are human natural expressions of love. You want to hold them. You, you want to be close to them. Then after that you want to hold them. Then you want to embrace them. You want to kiss them. 
You can't do that with Allah. But Allah gives us an opportunity, come around my house. Because you know when, when you are in love with something, you're always talking about them. Then you want to go into that area, even if you can't go home. Jello, I'm going through the area at least. That's, that's what love does. And then after that, you want to embrace them. So Allah says, look, if you want to embrace something, go to the multazm. The Prophet showed us how to embrace. And believe me, any dua you make at that multazm, they get accepted. That's a I mean, I don't want to give you any guarantees, but that's my experience and a lot of other people's experience. You go and do dua at the multazm if you can get there. Nowadays, there's too many women there. They, mashallah, enjoying it because women are always there, right? You get to the multazm and you put your chest and your, as the Prophet he showed us what to do. I mean, that is the closest you can get. And then after that, if you really want to kiss something, you kiss the black stone. Allah has given us that to kiss the black stone. It's all a journey of love. But if you don't know it's a journey of love, then it's a tick box exercise. It's a tick box exercise. That's what it is. Because you can't, I mean, Allah is beyond. He's transcendent. So he gives us something because humans like love. Humans have demands for their love. And the more we learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the more... Uh, so how does beauty come in with Allah and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam? There's only Allah and the Prophets who are flawless, without defect. Flawless without defect. And now let's take another aspect of love. Why do you love? Why do you feel inclined towards beauty? What is beauty? Beauty is proportion. What is that? That is balance of characteristics. Its multiple characteristics are so balanced and in tune with one another and in harmony that it makes this perfect whole. And there's nobody better than that in beauty than Allah. Inna Allah jameelun yuhibbul jamal. And the Prophet ﷺ and his beauty, you've heard many bayans about the beauty of the Prophet ﷺ. So how can you not love him? Why? Because you just don't know enough about the beauty. You don't know enough about the characteristics. How many of us have gone and read a review of Allah? I know it's a crazy way to ask the question. When you want to buy something, when you're looking and interested in something, you go and read a review of it. How many of us have read a, read a review of Allah? I mean, not talking about on Google, but I meant reading the Quran. One of the best reviews that Allah has given us to read about Him is the 99 names. I'm telling you, those 99 names, you know how powerful they are, Allahu Akbar. And each one of them you can use. If you understand them, you can use them to your ability. For example... La ilaha illallah. Al-Hizb uh, al-A'zam. We produced in 2015 a beautiful illuminated edition, which means it's really colorful with lots of gold and everything because we think that book needs khidmah like that and people should read it because it's one of the most wonderful collections of du'as. 2015. Many people have been asking for translation. So in 2019, started on a translation. There are other translations. I just wanted to try to match the conciseness of the Arabic itself, of the du'as, of the Prophet ﷺ du'as in the Qur'an, not, you know, uh, with superfluous language, try to make it as beautiful as possible. So, start in 2019, finished in 2021. Now it's 2023, two years, I just couldn't publish it because I didn't know, I could not settle on a design. Because it has to be good. How do you put Arabic and English together in a way that looks good and that helps you read both together? It's very complicated. If you're in the design, it's very complicated. All right? So it took me about two... I was busy as well. So it's not just that I was busy. Then after this Ramadan, I finally said, we need to do this, man. It's sitting there. It needs to. And people are asking. So I prayed to Allah, Ya Musawwir. 
Ya Musawwir, Ya Musawwir, O Fashioner, O Former, O Taswir, yani the one that uh, creates a surah, a form, Ya Mujmil, right? Ya Jamil, Ya Muhsin. These are all relevant names. And subhanAllah, I remember sitting there, I just needed the right background. And my wife was there and, and I showed her a few and said, let's try that one. Tried it and mashallah, it just fit. Like it was what I was looking for. You know, when you're satisfied that I think it's got the right balance, right? Alhamdulillah. So inshallah, it should come out soon, make dua, right? It's nearly ready. But you can use the names of Allah. A friend of mine, Maulana, uh, he's a student of ours as well. He broke his, so he had some uh, fracture. So he's reading Al-Hizbul A'zam. I said, MashaAllah, I found a dua for my, uh, my fracture. I said, what is it? Because I didn't know. Ya Jabir Al-Azmi Al-Kaseer. Oh, fixer and mender of broken bones. Allahu Akbar. I mean, that's the relevant one you pray. You read to Allah. That means, that means you're telling Allah, I know you can do this. I recognize you as the mender of broken bones. I'm calling you with that. Somebody just, what's your name? Bilal. Bilal, help me out, man. It's like, okay, it's just generally Bilal, help me. But I don't know what your profession is or what you're good at. But if whatever you're good at, I say, man, you're the best at this. I need your help because, you know, you're the one who can help me. You're going to feel a lot more obliged because like, man, he's singling me out. He recognizes my specific quality. We don't do that with Allah. We just about ask him, hey Allah, mujhe kuch kardo, you know. You look out for this. Ya Shafi. When, you've got a, when, when we've got a problem, um, when, when we have a sickness or an illness and you're taking a tablet or you want, you can call him, Ya Allah is the most powerful name, but Ya Shafi, O Cura. O Cura. SubhanAllah, there's people who've used Ajib du'as, Ya Mumsik, for when they needed to go uh, and they couldn't go, uh, that there was nowhere to go. Right? Uh, you know, O uh, restrainer right uh, uh, you know I'm, I'm a bit careful about that one but you know it's uh, the names of Allah amazing you want forgiveness Ya Ghaffar I mean look at what the Prophet uh, was taught Aisha radiallahu anha in Allahumma innaka afuun kareemun tuhibbu afwa fa'fu anna why is that a powerful dua for Laylatul Qadr Allahumma innaka afuun kareem you are the afu, the, the, the pardoner. Kareem, benevolent. Like, you know, for you, it's benevolence, it's generosity. And you love to forgive and pardon. So, fa'fu anni. Allah, what? because then you're recognizing Allah. It's all part of the recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, multiple, other, uh, multiple other things that you can use. For example, when you've got a difficulty in front of you, Ya Ghaffar, we seek forgiveness because difficulties could come. So we're asking Allah for forgiveness first, Ya Ghaffar. Then we're saying, Ya Fattah, oh remove this difficulty, open it up. Fattah, open up. Ya Sattar, which means, oh Allah, protect me and veil me from this going out to the wrong people maybe, and from humiliation. Then we say, Ya Hafid, oh protector, right? And Ya Salam, oh giver of safety and peace. And then Ya Latif is a very powerful dua. Ya Latif is a very powerful name. Latif means, Lutf has two meanings. One, it means compassion. And the other one means subtle ability. 
sophistication, right? Lutf, like, oh Allah, this is a complicated matter, ya latif. Ultuf bina. Fi taysiri kulli asir, fa inna taysira kulli asirin alayka yasir. We have to use these words, we have to use these du'as in a personal way. Right? And this is the way to get to know Allah. So now we've got the Qur'an and we've got the 99 names of Allah. And the more you know Allah, the more you'll build that, that uh, you'll, more you'll understand the beauty of Allah's essence and the Prophet. You can add the same thing to Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The more you learn about him, the more you have to love him because all you'll find is qualities. I'll give you an example. There's a guy who wanted to buy a house. And I don't know if I've mentioned this example here or not. There's a guy who wanted to buy a house and he found one and everything was as perfect as it could be, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And then somebody, over, he started the procedure, accepted, and then somebody overbid him. He felt gutted. You know, buying a house and finding a house is not easy. And then when you found you after like five months and then you've accepted and you paid some money for searches and then suddenly the guy, right? So he felt very gutted. Because he's losing something that he thought was beautiful. He'd become inclined. He was seeing dreams about it. Then after they found another house. After three, two months or something like that. This time he used advice. The advice was that always remember in anything of this. Remember a defect. Keep a defect in your mind. It helps you to wean yourself off. So he said everything is great about it. But the front passage is a bit small. But that's the best we can get. He was the highest bidder this time. But then after that, the owner decided to not sell after five days. This time he felt, okay, cello. it was a small passage, so it's okay. It was so much easier to deal with that. So a friend of mine who's an expert in love, I asked him because lots of people have this issue that they fall into love, emotional attachment. And it's a, maybe a haram or maybe it's... A, ill-advised or their parents aren't going to allow them or you can't have it but you just can't get away with it anybody experienced that when you held head over heels in love with something but you can't have it anybody ever experienced that whether that's a business or whether that's a, a person or a thing or an object or whatever you know can't get it so what do you do now you're going to suffer for the rest of your life because that's tough the istikhara dua is beautiful in that but so I asked, I said, well, he said, start telling them to think about the defects of that thing. And it's not Allah, so you're going to find defects because everything has a defect. Because it's the qualities which attach you and grip you. Once you start, and yusim, your love of something will blind you from all of its defects. Everybody will maybe be pointing out, but you're just focused. This is, human, this is the way humans are. They just get focused. So what you do is you start turning your attention to it. There must be some defects, man. And everything in this world has defects except Allah and His messengers. So you find defects. And then you're like, okay. That will detach you. So aside from the istikhara du'an, ask Allah, look for defects and you'll find enough defects to get you off it, inshallah. That's the way you deal with love that is ill-advised. And then after that, you'll start detaching yourself. It'll take time, but that's what you'll do. So with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what we want. Now, the uh, what time is the mass? Oh, mashallah, it's uh, like 15 minutes extra from London or more actually. So, this is now important. We don't 
the, the way the, So we said the Qur'an Number two, the 99 names of Allah And remember the 99 names of Allah Are not the only names of Allah There's some in the Qur'an which are not part of the 99 And there's multiple hadiths that give you different sets of 99 It's just the famous one is in Sunan al-Tirmidhi That we know That one is the famous one But there's others with other names in there as well And they're amazing The names, you should learn all of them Right? In fact, I'm hoping, inshallah, to do something where how you use each name for what purpose so that people can actually start using, you know, uh, ideas of how to use each name to make it that, inshallah, practical. May Allah allow that to happen. So that's the second thing. Number three, the third way to connect yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by doing dhikr of Allah. Because the name of Allah is powerful. Dhikr ka silsila shuru ho jayega. The heart gets purified because dhikr is the polish of the heart. And thus Allah enters. And we Allah, uh, allow Allah to enter and it pushes out everything else. And then the softness comes about. And, the, uh, and then that helps us to understand who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So dhikr is the third thing. Right? Very, very important. Dhikr is the third thing. Now what I want to talk about dhikr is this. Dhikr... Usually, when somebody tells you to do dhikr, it says, Berke, 100 tasbees. Do muraqaba for 10 minutes. Sit down and do this. That's great. That is what you call focused dhikr. However, that's not all Allah wants from us. That is just training. We need to go beyond that and say, that is training. Ultimately, what Allah wants from us is what Allah describes in the Quran. Those who remember Allah, Allah praises those who remember Him standing, sitting, and on their sides. No, that's, that's the real dhikr. You can't get that dhikr until you do enough dhikr so that it is in your heart and it overwhelms you and dominates you so that you start remembering him in all states. Dhikr should be spontaneous. Dhikr should be like your breath. Dhikr should be second nature. Dhikr should be your refuge in everything that you do. And it needs to be natural. What I mean by that is dhikr is not just reading a hundred tasbihs a day or a hundred istighfar or a hundred durus sharif. No, dhikr is that and it's just remembering Allah for how you should remember Him throughout your day. So if something good happens, Alhamdulillah. And there's multiple good things that happen and that are happening and that we have already. So there are, you can literally be doing Alhamdulillah all day. And there's something strange that happened, Inna lillahi wa inna raji'un. Not just as a dua, but with the real thought of what that means. Something, oh Allah, Allah protected us from that. Oh Allah, give me this. Oh Allah, guide me in this. It's literally a constant interaction with Allah throughout the day, whether you're lying down, whether you're sitting, or whatever it is. And this is uh, represented in our different, mashallah, uh, tasawwuf, salasil, right? In our various... Uh, one thing that comes to mind right now, our Naqshbandi uh, silsila says, for example, uh, Sheikh Bahauddin Rahmatullahi, Bahauddin Naqshband Rahmatullahi, his purpose was, that dhikr is like that you are لیکن دل اللہ تعالیٰ کے ساتھ ہمیشہ ہمیشہ منسلک so his purpose was that 
the dhikr that we do, that he trains, uh, that, that they're telling us to do, the muraqabah, whatever it is, purpose of that ultimately is wuquf qalbi, they say. Which means a constant presence of Allah. And he says in Persian, and I heard this from our, one of our Uzbek brothers recently, dust bakar dil bayar. Which simply means your hand is doing your work, so you're a mechanic, right? So you're doing work, but your heart is connected to Allah. Literally, if you can achieve this, you can be telling jokes and having some humor and banter with your friends, but your heart will be connected to Allah. That means your jokes will be halal. The Prophet ﷺ did halal jokes. He was connected to Allah. Otherwise, like a shaykh was approached and he says, tell us how, uh, how do you constantly have presence of Allah in your mind? He didn't answer the question. He just started telling them jokes. And they started laughing and so on. Then after the 10-15 minutes, he said, how many of you remembered Allah in that time? Obviously nobody, because they thought it was just joking time. He said, I was constantly thinking of Allah all that time I was joking. <laughs> that's ultimately, that's what we want to achieve. And this is not just something that only buzurgs can have. You can be that buzurg. It's for everybody. Right? Really, it's for everybody. All you have to do is train yourself. Train yourself to think of Allah 10 times a day. Start with that. Not just in namaz. But 10 times a day, just random times, when you need something, when you want something, when something good happens to you. I mean, subhanAllah, you can teach, you can do this with your family. You have good food. Man, everybody just praise Allah, man. Look at the amazing food. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave us this. Just organically like that. Just constantly. I mean, you get mangoes. That's a shukr, no? Right. Even when you don't have mangoes, they have a lot of other things, mashallah. Just organic dhikr of Allah. That is the ultimate dhikr because your heart then will be constantly connected. Your heart will be... Then you'll be careful because you think, when I'm doing this wrong, man, what am I doing here? A'udhu billah. Na'udhu billah. Allah protect me. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Just make it organic. There's a PhD that was written by this woman about how to bring the remembrance of Allah in teaching for teachers. And essentially what she, su- she suggests is that, I forget the exact, every five to ten minutes you have to take Allah's name somehow or the other while you're teaching. So it could be science or maths or whatever. Subhanallah, look at this beautiful thing. Alhamdulillah, Allah made this so easy. Right? You just bring the name of Allah. That's what it should be. Name of Allah should be everywhere because the name of Allah is so powerful that it can't go without effect. Even if you take it in vain. The remembrance of Allah is amazing. The famous hadith where there's a group of people who are remembering Allah and Allah is discussing with the angels, what do they want from me and so on. And then he says, okay, be witness that I've you know, forgiven all of them and I've given them whatever they want and so on. Oh, but there's one pedantic angel. He's like, Allah, there's one guy in there. He wasn't doing any dhikr. He came to get his keys. He's a pedantic angel. He's like, like you know, you're saying everybody forgive him, but there's a guy in there who wasn't there. They were sitting there until the guy finished dhikr so that was ki chabi mil jai. Allah said, man, these people are la yashqa lahum jaleez. No, even if you sit with dhikr people, the, the, you, you can't be wretched anymore. You're going to get some blessing. You know, why do ulama tell us to sit with, uh, sit with uh, buzurgs, sit with Allah wale? Shah Waliullah explains this rahmatullahi in his hujjatullah. He says that Allah wale johate, the awliya, they have this constant shower from what, I mean, he has some complex ideas. Hadiratul Quds, Al-Mala'ul-A'la, the higher assembly, 
you know, the purified assembly. From them they have a shower. Basically from Allah he has a shower of mercy and blessing and barakat on them. When you sit with them, you're going to get some of that sprinkle from there, if not a lot more. That's one of the... So when you sit with a buzurg next time, just like, yeah, I'm getting a shower as well. He's getting a shower. Inshallah, I'm going to get a bit of that. That's the blessing of sitting with them. You get benefit out of that. So the fourth one, the fourth way to get close to Allah is find Allah wala. It's find the wali Allah, find the shaykh who's got that. And when you stay in that company, you'll benefit. They'll guide you to it because they've done it. They've been there. They've explained it. They'll give you the dhikr. They'll help you with the third one and help you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is ultimately what you're supposed to be learning from a shaykh. Not just barakah, but ultimately that's the blessing of it. That's the barakah, the faith, and everything that you're getting from our... And mashallah, we have a wonderful tradition. May Allah reward the likes of our Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahmatullahi alayhi and our Mona Shabdi Tanwi rahmatullahi alayhi and Mona Rashid Ahmed Gangoy and Haji Imdadullah and all of these amazing people that Allah has given us that and allowed us to benefit from that. We'd be nowhere. I don't know where we would be if we didn't have them. Subhanallah. I don't know where we would be. Right? So, Quran Palo. Before you die, you want to read Quran. Right? You want to understand the Quran at least once in your life. Shuru kardo. Number two. You want to uh, 99 names, get them in any language and start focusing on them and adopt some of them. Start with a few. These, yeah, this relates to my situation. And you'll find different ones that will relate to your situation, right? And then look for more as you go along and start incorporating them in your du'as. Number three, start a dhikr regimen, right? If you're not already doing something. And number four, uh, find, if you can find Allah alayhi, mashallah, matli me kafi Allah or barhaye. Find somebody that you can link yourself to so that you can be guided in this regard. And there's multiple other ways and keep asking Allah. Prophet Sallallahu had multiple du'as on love. Allahumma rzukna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una hubbuhu indak. Oh Allah grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. Oh Allah make your love uh, more beloved to me than cold water on a hot day. And things like there's a number of them and they're all in Hizbul Adam. They're all there. They're all there. So these are the things that we want. Uh, the dhikr of Allah needs to become second nature and organic and you can do this. Just start off with thinking of Allah 10 times in the day. Anytime, 10 times in the day. Whether that be dua when you go into your car, whether that be bismillah wa barakatillah before you eat. That's the whole purpose. Why do we say bismillah wa barakatillah? In the name of Allah and the blessing of Allah. Why do you do that? It's to remember Allah. The dua is not some magic. It's remembrance. It's dhikr. It's a remembrance. So that ultimately, whether we're lying down, whether we're telling a joke, you're remembering Allah. Whether you're cooking for the sisters, you're remembering Allah. Whether you're working, you're remembering Allah. Our lives will become better, inshaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah, Allahumma ja'alna dhakkareena lak, shakkareena lak. Oh Allah, make us of those who abundantly remember you and abundantly thank you. Ultimately, it has to come from Allah. So we have to ask Him because we can't do anything by ourselves. Ultimately, He considers us worthy. So we ask Allah to consider us worthy because we want to, our lives are ending soon and we want to know Him before we die because that's our purpose of this world. Our ibadat, everything is to know Him and to recognize Him. And as I said, once you know Him, you're going to get addicted. And then you can't help but do worship. It'll become easier. You'll want to be with Him all the time. May Allah allow us to do that. May Allah never allow us to be separate. May Allah keep His Tawheed and His love, not just in us and our children, but in our progeny until the Day of Judgment. Because there's a lot of things outside to 
take us away from this. So we're asking Allah to keep His love and His belief and He be with us in all of our generations until the Day of Judgment. We're never going to see them, right? But we're, we're making dua. Why not? Right? We're making that dua. May Allah accept. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا غفار يا فتاح يا ستار يا حفيظ يا سلام يا لطيف يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you for your special mercies. Oh Allah, we ask you for your benevolence. Oh Allah, we ask you for your karam. Oh Allah, we ask you for your kindness. We ask you for your generosity and your jude. Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness. Oh Allah, we ask you for your pardon. Oh Allah, we ask that you you can do whatever you want with us because you are, you, we are your servants and you are our Lord. But oh Allah, if you forgive us, then we know that you are Kareem, and you are benevolent and kind and forgiving. Oh Allah, what will you get from punishing us? Oh Allah, make us worthy, consider us worthy for your worship. Oh Allah, make us ahl of your worship and of your devotion. Oh Allah, we have many, many sins to our name. Oh Allah, all of these years we've been distracted. We've been so engrossed in so many other things that you have given us, oh Allah, but we have used them as a distraction for us. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove that distraction from our life. Make whatever you have given us to be true bounties and not forms of burdens or distractions for us. Oh Allah, you have given us abundantly more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, we enjoy life and you have given us many things to enjoy life with. Oh Allah, do not make that a burden, make it a barakah. Oh Allah, make whatever you have given us a barakah for us and oh Allah, make it a sense of blessing for us. Oh Allah, forgive us our wrongdoings. Oh Allah, forgive us our oversight. Forgive us our delay our procrastination oh Allah forgive our wrongdoings forgive our sins our transgressions oh Allah forgive our inattentiveness to you forgive our distractions from you oh Allah if it was anyone else then oh Allah you would have you would have seized us by now but oh Allah your clemency knows no bounds oh Allah your your forbearance knows no bounds. Oh Allah, you are created us. You know us. Oh Allah, make us the way you want us to be. Oh Allah, make us the way you want us to be. Make your obedience beloved in our heart and make your disobedience hated in our heart. Oh Allah, allow us to know you. Oh Allah, allow us to know you. Grant us your ma'rifah. Oh Allah, grant us your ma'rifah. Oh Allah, grant us your ma'rifah the way you gave it to our forefathers before us, our ulama and mashaykh before us. Oh Allah, bless those mashaykh who have shown us the way. Oh Allah, bless Bless our mashayikh who have shown us the way. Allow us to do the good that they have done and follow in their path. Make us of those who abundantly remember you, who abundantly thank you, who are abundantly grateful to you, who abundantly praise you, O oh Allah, who abundantly call on to you. O oh Allah, those who abundantly uh, seek your refuge, who abundantly attach themselves to you. O oh Allah, allow us to remember you and our hearts to remember you, whether we're standing, sitting or lying down in all of our states. O oh Allah, maybe our hands and our feet and our bodies are doing whatever they're doing in this world. But O oh Allah, our heart should always be connected to you. O oh Allah, allow us to remember you multiple times a day. Allow us to ultimately remember you all the times in the day. And O oh Allah, allow us 
to be of those who are who who fulfill the pur- their purpose in this world so that when we when 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 we die we die in a state of excitement we die in a statement of longing we die in an excitement in, in a state that we want to come and we want to meet you and we want to be in paradise just to be able to see you oh allah make all of those stages easy for us grant us your kalima la ilaha illallah grant us your kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed oh allah send abundant blessings on and peace on our messenger muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and grant him the best reward that could be gifted to anyone and oh allah allow us to drink from his hands on the day of judgment and be in his company oh allah allow us allow us to be of the siddiqeen allow us to be of the siddiqeen to be close to your messengers and your shuhada and oh allah change our lives from today allow us to be in your remembrance subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bi rahmatika ya the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books to take on a subject of islam and to understand all the subjects of islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us uh, and that's why we started uh, rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time especially for example the islamic essentials uh, course that we have on there the islamic essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in islam and you'll feel a lot more confident you don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave uh, you know to listen to lectures but you need to have this more sustained study as well jazakallah khairan assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh